You're listening to MPS Connection with A.J. Hoffman. Perfect. Welcome, welcome, welcome to MPS Connections. I'm your host, A.J. Hoffman. I've got the pleasure today of being joined by Mr. Jeff Jaster. Say hello, Jeff. Hi, everybody. All right. Miss Tracy Renfro, she's from Chestnut Hill. Hello. And Mr. Keith Seibert from, you're at Northeast, correct? That is correct. All right. And they've each kind of tackled the, or decided which, they've divvied up the questions they each want to kind of tackle, but... We'll, uh, we'll start into it right away. Um, Keith, can you kind of explain the Raptor system and the importance of it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a system that was purchased by the district um, in recent years to really increase building and student safety. Um, we have two different systems that are at work. One is the visitor management system and the other is the emergency management system. Um, the emergence, or excuse me, the visitor management system allows the, each building uh, to scan every visitor that comes in. And so if you enter into the school office, you would insert your driver's license into the scanner, and within seconds, the secretary that has it on her screen, the Raptor um, website, it would indicate if the individual is allowed to go into the building or if there's an issue that has to be addressed. Okay. Now, I've always wondered this because I've been in and out of a lot of buildings. If a person has an issue on their background check, it, yeah, it's an instant background check. If a person has an issue on their background check, what happens? What actions are taken by the office staff? Well, they're prevented from going any further in the building. So if they needed to pick up their student and they were allowed to pick them up and leave, that would be fine. But they're not permitted any farther into the building. And so thankfully we haven't had... Uh, many issues like that at Northeast, but, um, you know, if there was an issue, we have a student resource officer available and two administrators in the building to help as well. Okay, that was going to be my next question. If they cause a ruckus, what happens from there? Yep. Yep. So, and each school, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is there, there the doors are locked going correct. into the rest of the school, correct? Yep. Okay, so the AA, the administrative assistant, has to unlock the doors in order to allow access into yep yeah okay that is correct all the all the buildings are secure and there's one entrance into the building for parents when they arrive okay is there any communication between the system and local authorities there is with our um, student resource officers they're linked so anytime there's an emergency drill or anything that has been initiated in raptor that they are automatically notified and so Officer Hawkins at Northeast is also notified by, he receives all the other alerts that are sent from other buildings. And so if there was an event that um, the Midland City Police would need to be aware of, then he could place the call directly to them. Okay. All right. You said, luckily, knock on wood, we really haven't had any any issues, or you haven't had any issues at Northeast, correct? Yep. yep. Okay, good. How long has the Raptor system been in place in our buildings? Um, I guess I would have to refer to Jeff on that and get the actual dates. It's been for a few years now, but it, it came in in the 2019, um, 2020 school year, kind of near the tail end. We had used a different system, uh, crisis go before, but the intent was the same help with communication, make sure that we had a system by which we could, you know, trigger alerts, trigger lockdowns if there was a need to do that. But this feature, uh, or the feature that Keith talked about in Raptor, the visitor management, volunteer management piece, 
wasn't a part of Crisis Go, so this product could do more for us, and that's why we made the transition. So we've had it now for, I think this is um, going into our third third school year with it fully implemented. Gotcha. Can, can you talk about Crisis Go a little bit? What was that? Yeah, it was the same thing. It was an app-based uh, program that, that staff could keep on their phones. You could also download the app on a tablet or a Chromebook. And so if there was a drill or an incident, you know, once that alert was triggered by staff, it would go out to everybody in the building. Awesome. Okay. All right. We'll shift to you a little bit, Tracy, if that's all right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to add about Raptor, Keith? it's It's been a good product from the standpoint that in an evacuation where students have to leave the building, it used to be that teachers were required to carry a hard copy of classroom attendance list to you know, be accountable for the kids that are in their class. And this is already uploaded in Raptor. So if they have their phone or a tablet outside, they can easily pull up the students that they have that hour. So that's been a good feature. Good deal. All right. Tracy, what about you? Do you, you seem to be kind of an expert in Alice? Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure I'm an expert. <laughs> but you're well-versed in it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Talk about the, the Alice system a little bit. Well, Alice um, is actually an acronym for ALERT. Lockdown, inform, counter, and evacuate. And it's a protocol for active shooter response. And the training is committed to increasing survivability in a violent intruder event um, just through training proactive response options. Good. Good deal. How often are staff trained on it? Uh, staff are trained yearly. Good. Um, if they're new to MPS, some of them it's brand new to them. But um, each year it's more of a retraining for our current staff. Yeah, as a MPS ed- former MPS educator myself, I kind of remember that was one of those trainings that seemed to get a little redundant. I'm like, oh, I remember this from last year. Do I have to do it again? But never hurts to keep getting refreshed on it, right? Yeah. Okay. What steps are taken to ensure that students don't panic or overreact to a situation? Uh, during the safety drills, part of the adults protocol is that the principals or those that initiate the drills are constantly reminding students and staff that it is a drill, it is practice, uh, so they don't overreact. Uh, They let them know what they should be doing during the drill, and it's kind of a play-by-play on the intercom where the principal or whoever initiated, maybe assistant principal, is saying, right now we have, um, we're doing a lockdown drill if this was a real situation and there was somebody near the gym, those of you in rooms 53 through 72 could exit the building. If we're having a real situation and it was near the library, those of you in rooms 1 through 10 could leave the building. Remember, this is just a practice. We kind of go step by step. You know, We're having a lockdown drill. At this time, please put the boot in the door, barricade the door, get quiet, listen for further instruction, and kind of just lead them step-by-step step through and just keep telling them it's a practice, it's a drill. Yeah, absolutely. Have you have you ever had to implement the Alice? You know, I have program? not. No? no? Okay. All right. Well, you guys practice it enough. I mean, there's plenty of drills and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And when we have our drills, uh, we never use the word Alice. Alice is used if it is a real situation. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Jeff, this kind of came up during the the last board meeting, and that's why we wanted to talk about it now, um, the Evolve system. So I'm not – I want to be careful on on talking about how we refer to it. I'm just going to let you go and discuss Evolve. Sure. Um, I think before I 
answer that directly, I'll just reemphasize a point that I think is important to share with everybody, and that is, you know, there's many aspects to school safety, really three components that we're concerned about, one of them being the mental health, mental wellness of the kids. And we've done a lot as a district to hire more support staff over the last couple of years in particular. Every building now has a student support person, for example, in addition to counselors and administrators and others who are getting repetitive training on how to support kids. Uh, the other thing is preparedness, which these two um, items that we've just discussed, Raptor and Alice, help our staff to be prepared in the event of an emergency. But the, the key link between the two is communication. So that's helpful. But so mental health, mental wellness for kids, preparedness. And then the, the third component, which is where Evolve fits in, is I think the, kind of the physical safety of the, the properties, the buildings, and what can we do to ensure that we've really exhausted all of our options and efforts to make sure the buildings are as safe as they can be. So um, just a reminder, we have secure entrances, as Keith indicated. We have camera systems. We have SROs in our secondary buildings. You know, we have a lot of things already in place. This is just going to be one more thing with the addition of Evolve. So at the last board meeting, uh, the purchase of Evolve scanners for our secondary buildings was approved. Uh, it's going to be purchased, really, through grant funds that were made available for schools. So there's been a little misconception that we can use those grant funds or we could have used them a different way. And the, the reality is that's not true. They were, they were to be used for school safety kind of infrastructure type improvements uh, for buildings. And so since we already had cameras and secure entrances and other things, this was a logical um, next step for us. And so these scanners, you know, we once approved by the board, we did move forward with um, purchase order. So I, I actually believe they're ahead of schedule, so they might even be um, arriving as early as mid-October. Uh, initially, it might have been, um, I think it was slated for the end of the month. So I think they're a week or two ahead of schedule. And from there, of course, there's still training to consider the, the way this is going to roll out. We need to do a lot of communicating and messaging with our stakeholders, our staff, our students and parents. So w once those devices are on site, though, we are going to move, um, you know, as swiftly as we can to get them up and running. So, you know, it's our hope that by early November time frame, let's say, we'll have a soft start with these devices in place. Sure. Now, people got a little uncomfortable, I think, at the last board meeting because we we referred to them as, or I think other media referred to them as metal detectors. Can we kind of explain the differences between metal detectors and these Evolve? Sure. You know, these Evolve machines. Sure, yeah. So a metal detector that, you know, most people, I guess, their experience with a metal detector would be in a setting like an airport where maybe you've gone through single at a, you know, one person at a time, single file line, uh, which is really slow, tedious process. If they have to pull somebody off to the side, it takes a while to go through and do a search. That is not the intent of these Evolve devices. They're, they're meant to be more customer-friendly devices. They use uh, scanning technology similar to um, how radar works or um, people who are familiar with uh, the ground scanning uh, LIDAR is the scientific term for that. It's a light emission uh, technology, and so it's looking for really shapes, 
more than anything. And so what it's, what this software has done is it's, uh, you know, the company has worked with gun manufacturers. They have, um, you know, common shapes or objects that would be recognized, say a knife, for example, where this technology is supposed to really hone in on and pick up shapes that shouldn't be there. So if it's the shape of something that might be a weapon or let's say it's a metal uh, canister or a water, you know, in this case maybe it's a water bottle, but it's a metal, metal canister that maybe isn't a known object, it might alert on something like that, which would then, of course, you know, require our staff at some point to go and sort of investigate that, make sure it was, you know, nothing of concern, and then they can move kids through. But the uh, benefit of Evolve, going back to my original point with the metal detectors, they were slow and tedious. You can move multiple kids through these gates at a time, you know, three, four, five kids walking through just in, in groups where there's constant flow of traffic. There's not this stop and start that would occur with a metal detector. It's just you you walk through. Um, not to say that there aren't going to be some training issues for the kids too. So, for example, where I just mentioned a water bottle, if at some point a student brings a metal water bottle to school every day and they realize that, well, the system hones in on that and it makes an alert or alerts the staff, at some point that student might just hold it out so everybody can see it when they walk through and then it's a non-issue. You, you don't have to do a search at that point, obviously. You don't need to go in a backpack and find the water bottle. The kid's holding it in their hand. And so um, the way this, the system works, there's a tablet that corresponds with each gate. And the tablet is designed to hone in on the item of concern on that, on that person. So if it hones in on their hand holding a water bottle, they can just swipe that student through and pass them on. It's not something to investigate. I've noticed that I've been to a, a few concerts since mm-hmm. hearing about Evolve, and it's very—it's like the least invasive entry point I think I've ever been through. They have them at Disney World as well. In yep. uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Four or five people can go through at a time, and it just—it does its thing, and yep. it's very non-invasive. So, um, well, now will our machines—the ones that we have. They have like the health aspect to them. Will they detect temperature as well, or, or no? Okay. No, uh, this we had temperature scanners previous with COVID, and obviously those are not needed at this time. Those temperature scanners that we used, uh, you know, two years ago in the fall of uh, twenty one, I think, is when those were brought in. Um, it, maybe it was before that spring of twenty one. I'm losing track because of the pandemic. It's all a blur, but. Um, those devices, those temperature scanning gates could also be converted to metal detectors, but we didn't have interest in doing that. So um, the, the previous scanners are going to be sold and, and repurposed uh, to an organization that can use those. So this direction we feel like we're going with Evolve is, um, again, sort of where, where you're having to strike a balance between um, what may seem to some as a little bit more evasive, but to others, it's a, you know, it's a trade-off, I guess, for feeling a little more um, secure, a little more safe uh, coming into the building. And so that's where we're headed. Gotcha. Where do we know what buildings these will be placed at? Sure. Both middle schools and both high schools will get them. Um, Each of the high schools will get three devices. The middle schools will each get two. Okay. 
No elementary schools. Not not yet. Not okay. at this time. Doesn't mean that we won't go that direction in the future. But you know, as we wanted to uh, learn more about the the equipment and understand it better and how it's going to function, we thought those were the logical places to start. Okay. Awesome. I just got a couple follow up questions that anybody can. I'll open up the floor for this. Anybody can kind of speak on this. Uh, what other threats, aside from an active assailant, should we should we be cognizant of in our district? I mean, what do we? What else are we kind of looking out for? I'll just jump in quick with an sure. initial thought, and then they can add to it. But so we're required to to plan for all different scenarios, weather emergencies, fire drills. You know, all the things that are required right. by law that we have to practice and be prepared to respond with. So lockdown and active shooter drills are certainly on that list. We have to do three of those every year. We have to do two weather drills every year, and we have to do five fire drills. Now that's the minimum. In, in many cases, we do more than that. But I think the main thing is really just establishing a culture where if something doesn't seem right or doesn't feel right, people are saying something and talking about it because there's certainly more... Um, you know, more eyes and ears out there when you include students and parents and really the whole school, school community in this um, idea of keeping the school safe. It's not just the responsibility of one principal or an assistant principal. It's, it's everybody working together and just talking about things that, that may appear to be off. So I guess that's my initial thought is just so, sort of changing that perspective of what, you know, who's responsible and what that looks like. Anything you guys would like to add to that? I just would say anything that is a, you know, a concern for student safety. So we're always thinking about the students first and keeping students safe. I mean, it could even be a health emergency within the building and having a plan in place to respond to provide safety for that student and privacy for that student. And so some of these drills will have a roll-off effect where you can implement part of that drill where it's a shelter in place where everybody stays in the classroom. And it's not because there's a, a threat to anyone, but it's because we may have an ambulance coming and we're trying to provide the privacy for that student that is uh, in need at that time. So, gotcha. Tracy, what about you? I, I would say probably at the elementary level as far as uh, the safety of our students, one of the things that we're really cognizant of is when we have uh, non-custodial parents come into the building. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's rather an, than an active shooter, that's one of the things that we really are keyed on to. And um, our culture in our building, we even have volunteers who are <clears throat> working with us who will see someone in the building they don't recognize and say, can I help you? And we've had a couple of different instances where people have gotten in yeah. a door they shouldn't have, and we've been able to escort them out. So. I've been in your building, and uh, there was a few times where my, my badge just flipped over because it has a habit of doing that. I've been stopped by your staff several times. So I'm always trying to make sure I flip it over so people know I, I'm, I'm a real-life good guy, you know. But, uh, no, that's a good point. Like, you know, non-custodial parents and, yeah, there's um, uh, when we had uh, Chief Ford on, on our last show, she brought up the idea of uh, social media. That's another thing I never would have thought of. Uh, it's probably, is that something you guys have to deal with at the elementary level yet? or, or maybe A little not? bit. Okay. Probably not as much as the secondary buildings, sure. but our yeah. older students are getting involved with it. Yeah. Are you guys getting a lot of that, Keith? Growing <laughs> daily. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a it's a present issue that's uh, being dealt with. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to add quick as a district perspective. You know, most of the um, the discipline issues come through my office at some point, and I would say more than half, probably approaching two thirds, have a connection to social media somewhere. Sure. Well, that's it. Just outlaw social media, right? <laughs> no, I'll never be able to pull that off. No. <laughs> My last question for you guys is, in a crisis situation, what, what is something the school staff should be focusing on? I imagine we've got a lot of school staff listening today. What's something they should be focusing on? I can start. I, I would just say uh, default to your training. You know, you're, you're there. At the staff person's responsibility, as everybody's mentioned here, is to look out for safety and well-being of the kids. So as you're responding, um, we know that people are going to have to make decisions in the moment in a crisis. And, you know, we don't want to make that any harder. So if you can just, again, uh, always default to what you know, what you've been trained to do, uh, using the ALICE protocols, uh, trying to stay in communication in the building with Raptor, all those things are going to be helpful. And then from there, you know, it, it's going to be a team effort. Um, if, if an incident ever were to occur, uh, all hands on deck. Uh, we have great relationship with our SROs and Midland Police. Uh, we, in fact, have them uh, tour buildings monthly. I just started that last, um, last month for this current school year. So we're going to hit all the secondary buildings. Our local police are going to do school safety assessments for each of our buildings this year. And I think our relationship with them tends to get stronger every year and so I feel like we've really been collaborative and doing all that we can to support staff and helping to keep kids safe. Absolutely. Is there anything uh, you guys would like to add uh, Tracy or Keith? I, I just think what Jeff said is important. You have to rely on your training, listen to the information and the communication that you're given so that you can <clears throat> make the best decision to keep kids safe. And that's why we do our drills. Uh, we walk through them, we talk about them, and it's something that's practiced, um, you know, throughout the school year. It's not just all squeezed into a month, but it's throughout the year that they have an opportunity to discuss these issues, not only, you know, staff to staff, but staff with students, so that in the event of emergency, people respond properly. Absolutely, yeah. Those drills, and you know, can never be practiced too much, and those systems can never be utilized too often, right? All right. Well, I just want to thank you all for, for being here today. I appreciate you uh, letting me put you on the spot. And uh, that was our show. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you have an idea for a show, questions, or a school group you'd like to see featured, please email us at communications at midlandps.org. That's communications at midlandps.org. The audio version of our show publishes on the first and third Thursday of each month. The video version publishes on the following Monday. We'll see you in two weeks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MPS Connections. We release new content on the first and third Thursday of almost every month. Do you have an idea for a podcast or other content from around this district? Send it to communicationmidlandps.org. Thanks.